because you were righteous, because you were perfect, because you had never committed sin, and so death had no claim on you. You have defeated the power of death, and you are the hope of eternal life. That is, you were raised so we can be raised who are in you. And so we want to praise you and honor you today. We thank you that you died for us, and we thank you that you live forever. And we just look forward to seeing you someday. Lord, we just praise you. Thank you for these gathered here today, in this place, in their homes, wherever they've traveled, Lord, that we would be united in heart and purpose today. And we just thank you. Speak to our hearts now, in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Welcome here. Welcome at home. It is good to have you here. Happy Easter. He's risen. Wow. Wow. That is great news. If you're, if you're new, you're a guest with us today. I'm Pastor Ryan, and it's good to have you here. And uh, what a year this has been. What a year this has been since last Easter. Last Easter, we were not in this room. We could not gather. We did a video, and it was a cool video if you saw it, but uh, we were not here. And so it's so great to be here, to be present, to have Easter together. But uh, we have been asked to sacrifice so much, right? It has been a year of sacrifice. We, we sacrifice just things we like to do. Restaurants, movies, sports, those are things we enjoy. Those are pastimes. And, and so we sacrifice things we like to do. And then uh, many times we've, sacrif- we've, we've had to sacrifice things that we didn't you know, that was harder. I had to visit my grandma through an outside window at her nursing home while calling her on the phone. And that just didn't quite feel the same as sitting in the room with her. I don't know, do any of you have to do that, visit a, a loved one in a nursing home and you just couldn't even enter? Just me, okay. But um, it's hard. It's hard to have that so limited. And I think what was hard is it wasn't an optional sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying we didn't willingly participate and, w- and want to do it to be helpful, but it wasn't something we necessarily chose to do, we wanted to do. It was the requirement to sacrifice, to, to limit, to hold back, to not have the freedoms we usually have. It was a requirement. It was a mandate. And, and, and we participated, yes, but it's hard when it comes to you and it comes at you. The Easter story is actually the very opposite, right? Jesus willingly sacrificed. Jesus willingly limited himself. Jesus willingly took on flesh. Jesus willingly went to a cross, right? We've been wearing a mask to prevent the spread of a disease. Jesus took sin willingly onto himself. Isn't that an amazing difference? We're trying to keep bad away from spreading. And Jesus said, I will take it all to myself. And so this whole Easter story, the Easter story is the picture of willing, loving sacrifice on the part of Jesus. Not to resist, not to protect himself, but to put himself in harm's way on our behalf. And so what's that all about? It's about love. John 15, 13, Jesus was talking to his closest disciples on the eve that he was going to be arrested and betrayed, and he said this to them, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
So he so loved his disciples, he said, let me tell you, what is the greatest, highest act of love would actually be to lay down my life for you. That's exactly what he did. So Jesus, Jesus' sacrifice on Easter is tied to his love. Tied to his love. And then it goes one more. The, the Apostle Paul tells us it's not even just for his friends that Jesus laid down his life. He certainly did for his disciples. But for all. Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't look down and say, you know, there's a group of people that are kind of getting it. They're kind of starting to figure it out. They're trying to start to behave. You know, maybe I'll just kind of help them the rest of the way. Maybe I'll just take them over the, the bridge. They're close, but... No, it doesn't say that. It says while we were sinners. Right? It says someone might die and help a good person. You might die for your, your spouse or a close, close friend. But it says that's not who Jesus died for. Jesus died for enemies. Jesus died for us rebellious people. While we were still sinners, it wasn't even when we thought, okay, I better get my act together. And then Jesus saw, no, we were still sinning, still rebelling. And Jesus willingly sacrifices for us. So I just want us to think about the comparisons. The image of our season of sacrifice is the mask, right? You're all wearing one. You're like, you don't get to wear one. I have to wear one. He gets to talk. But, right, we're all wearing one. That's the image of our sacrifice right now. This is the image of Jesus' sacrifice. He willingly took our sin to a cross. He was beaten and battered and bruised. He took all the wrath of the Father on himself and he died on that cross. That's the image of the loving sacrifice of Jesus. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. So what I want us to do, that's not where the Easter story stops. That's where the Easter story starts. It starts with the the sacrifice of Jesus, but where we end up is with the resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to look at that the resurrection account in the, in the Gospel of John. So if you want to follow along, take out a Bible. There's some in front of you if you want to use some of the ones in front of you. If you have your own, if you have a digital Bible, I always say that's cool if you turn off alerts. No alerts. Like, oh no, the line for brunch just got longer. Turn that off. You'll get there. John 20, and we're going to start in verse 18. John 20, verse 18. So here, Pat, Pastor Mark read it to us a little bit ago. He read that some, some ladies got up so early in the morning and they were going to go to the tomb and put the burial spices. They were going to honor Jesus' body that morning. They weren't able to do it. He died late on a Friday. It was already Sabbath. In the Jewish culture, you couldn't uh, have contact with a dead body and still participate in their worship thing. So they had to just let it go to get through their Sabbath day, which was Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. So they waited that time out. They get up early Sunday morning, probably just as the sun's rising, and they go to the tomb, and they found the stone is rolled away. Jesus isn't in there. There's an angel in there saying, he's not here, he's risen. And so the disciples go check it out. They see it empty, and they walk away, and they're like, what, what happened? But the first person Jesus appears to resurrected is Mary. Mary Magdalene, one of these followers of Jesus who loved him so dearly. So she sees him in the garden. 
And she, she has an account. We're going to go past that. But she sees him and he says, hey, go tell my disciples that you've seen me. Go tell them. So we're going to pick up the story in verse 18. John 20, verse 18. It says, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And then he said these things to her. Do you think they were like, eh, I don't know. You might be just kind of overcome with grief and you're tired. And So verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, so they started their weeks on Sunday. So it's Sunday evening that day, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> They are quarantined. They are locked in, but not locked in because of an illness. They are locked in because they fear the Jews. He just, they just killed their leader, Jesus. And they're like, are we next? Are they going to hunt us down one by one? Are we next? So they're in there. Their doors are locked. They're afraid. And it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Everything you were fearing, everything you were worried about, everything that was upsetting you, he just said, peace. Peace means that there's an absence of fear, of worry, of regret, of doubt. He just says, peace be with you. I'm standing here. I'm alive. All that you're worrying, all that you're fearing, even the reason you locked the doors, peace be with you. Verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Can you imagine that? They drove a giant spike through his hands, his wrists. Like, look, look, right there. It'd still be pretty raw. We're only third day later. He showed them where they stuck a spear right in there. Like, look, it went right there. It's me. I'm not a ghost. You're not having a vision. You're not having a group hallucination. I'm alive. Look at me. It's really me. And then it said, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It's kind of an unfortunate translation that word glad doesn't glad in english is kind of soft you're like i'm glad you're here the chip bowl is over there help yourself to some water doesn't it's kind of soft i'm i'm glad i got two for one on my cheeseburger i'm glad about that right it's a little bit soft it's the same word for rejoicing he's alive they rejoiced they saw him he showed him it's really me i'm not a ghost check it out and then they start rejoicing you know touchdown victory we've won he's alive so glad isn't an inaccurate word. It's just a little soft in English. You could put in there, rejoice. They celebrated. Jesus is alive. So verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. He had to say it twice. Peace. Be calm. It's okay. I'm here. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. So this is what's immediately interesting here. Jesus is alive. He's showing them. He's saying, peace. They're rejoicing. And the the thing he says, but there's an immediate action. I'm sending you. Jesus is a missionary and a mission-sending Savior. The life of following Jesus is not just a life of believing and receiving blessing to yourself. The life of following Jesus also has a mission. It has a purpose. So right in the first resurrection account, they're talking to Jesus. He says, I'm going to send you. As the Father sent me. So Jesus was sent by the Father to earth in the flesh. He was sent by him to preach, to announce who he was, to go to the cross for us. And so he says right from the get-go, I have a mission for you. As the Father sent me to the world, I'm sending you to the world. So the followers of Jesus have a mission to announce 
the resurrection of Jesus, what we're doing right now, to share, to make disciples of all nations and disciples who make disciples. There is an immediate sending when Jesus is raised. We have work to do. It's not just good news for you, my disciples. It's good news for the world, and I want to send you to it. There's purpose. So he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is a beautiful picture of, of the new creation. If you go way, way, way back, we're not going to go there today, but if you go way, way back in the first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we have the story of God creating, and he's speaking things into existence. He's speaking in the land, or, or you know, first sky and seas, and then he fills the seas with creatures, and he fills the land with vegetation, and he fills the sky with birds, and he fills the land with animals. And then he comes to this last one, he actually gets his hands dirty. It says he formed man from the dust of the ground. So he's in there making and shaping a man, some kind of big clay, dirt man, and he's just laying there. There's all these creatures running around. There's a big, shaped dirt man, and it says he breathed into that man the breath of life. So humanity first breathed because God put life in us. He put breath in us. But shortly after, man entered into death because of rebellion and sin. And so here at the resurrection of Jesus, we have the recreation happening. He says, I'm alive, I'm sending you on a mission, and I'm going to breathe a new kind of spirit into you. Not the first spirit that's going to die. I'm going to breathe a Holy Spirit. The spirit that comes into you and lives in you and energizes you and fills you and directs you. The spirit that lives forever. The spirit that prays on your behalf. So it's this beautiful picture of new creation happening right in that moment. When you come to Christ and he will receive the Holy Spirit. It's as if you're being made new all over again. He's putting his spirit in you. And so he breathes on them. Verse 22. He said this. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now this verse kind of stumped me a little bit. I'm like, are they going around offering forgiveness? Can they do that? What does this mean? And I think we have to take these these uh, three verses together. I'm sending you, I'm filling you with the Holy Spirit, and the mission is forgiveness. Like That's what's at stake. They, they go together. And so it, it comes from um, the whole mission and the believing in Jesus. What's at stake is forgiveness of your sins. So if you jump, jump back a few pages to John 3, it's some of the most famous Bible verses, but it talks about the urgency and the importance of this mission of forgiveness of sins that goes with the message of Jesus. So John 3, we're going to read 16 to 18. should just be a few pages to your, to back to the left. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what we've been talking about with Easter. God loves us and sent his son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the best news right there. Verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So the mission of Jesus when he came the first time was not to condemn, to judge, to pronounce damnation. It was to announce, I'm here to take sin and damnation and judgment onto myself so that it doesn't go to you. So he didn't come to judge, he came to save. The mission of Jesus was a saving mission. Then you go to verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, 
You need to hear that. If you've believed in Jesus, every sin, every failure that you will do, that you have done, are wiped away in the name in Jesus of Jesus. Not condemned. Verse that, keep going there. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. It's important to know we don't start at neutral and then we accumulate bad or good. We're born into sin, we participate in sin, and the answer is belief in Jesus. So if we have not believed, we remain condemned. It's not that we might become condemned someday if we do enough bad. You already are. You remain condemned. You remain condemned because you haven't believed. So I think when when Jesus says, I'm sending you in the power of the Holy Spirit with my mission and forgiveness is what's at stake, it's because as we announce the news and message of Jesus, forgiveness is at stake. When you believe in the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. If you don't believe in the name of Jesus, your sins are not forgiven and you will answer for them. If you believe in the name of Jesus, he's already answered for them and they don't count against you. He came so you would not perish, but have eternal life. So it is a critical mission that, w- that the disciples have and that followers of Jesus have. It's a critical mission. It's a mission that has forgiveness at stake. So when we're announcing the good news of Jesus, that's what's at stake, forgiveness of sin. So he says, I'm sending you. If you announce Jesus, you're in the power of the Holy Spirit, sins can be forgiven. If not, they're not. So let's come back to uh, chapter 20. We're going to come jump ahead to, uh, or go down to verse 24. So back to John 20, verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Like, what, what, where did he have to go? Like, where was he? Like, well, you know, I had... I had some errands to run. He was here. Where were you? Right? Well, you know, I had some things going on. My mom called. I needed to mow her lawn. I'm like, where is he? He wasn't there. How did he miss this? So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Where were you? <laughs> but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Wow. He wasn't there. He didn't see it. And he's like, no, I'm not going to believe you. Are you guys messing with me? Maybe you guys are not in your right mind. I don't know what it is, but unless I see it. And there's part of me that identifies with that. Wouldn't you like to see it? Not just hear the story over and over? I don't know that Thomas is all bad. I just think he's saying, I watched him get nailed to a cross. I watched them stab a spear into his side. I've watched them bury him. He was dead. I, I can't believe this. I, I, he was probably in massive grief and disappointment and just says, I, I didn't see it. Like, we saw it. So verse 26, eight days later. So it goes a while. There's a long gap there. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them. Don't you love that? Just, I'm here. Locked doors don't matter to me. He stood among them. Peace be with you. There's probably still this sense of doubt and uncertainty and overwhelming. And he says it again. Peace be with you. Be calm. It's okay. Then he said to Thomas. See, Jesus knows. He knows our thoughts. He knows our fears. He knows our doubts. 
Uh, and he didn't even wait for Thomas to do anything. He's like, come here. I know we got some work to do, Thomas. Come here. Come here. Put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. What a moment. Just come. You got to look. Come look. You got to touch it. Come touch it. Come see it. Then Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. He does see. He does believe. It is you. Right? It is you. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That'd be us. We haven't seen Jesus. We weren't there. We weren't in that room. We have not seen him. And so there's a blessing when you believe in Jesus. He said, you're blessed when you believe without seeing. We're hearing the eyewitness accounts. These accounts have stood the test of time. They're credible accounts. They're eyewitnesses. And uh, they've passed it on. And the Holy Spirit awakens us to belief. But Jesus says, you're blessed. We don't get a touch. We don't get a see. We don't get to until Jesus comes again or until you die to go see him. But there's this blessing when you believe. I, I know this is true. I know Jesus is alive. I'm putting my faith in him. He says, you're blessed. Let's go to verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. He did lots of stuff. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Right? So John said, Jesus did all kinds of stuff. I didn't write it all down. I wrote these stories down, these accounts down, so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. It means the anointed one. It means the Messiah. That Jesus is the Messiah, and he is the Son of God. And he is alive. And that when you believe in Jesus, you have life in his name. So the whole point of this today is that Jesus loves us with the greatest love. Going to that cross was the greatest love. He said, greater love has no one than this. And somebody lays down his life for his friends. He sacrificed. He died on our behalf, in our place, for our sins. And then he offers us the greatest gift. He offers us the greatest gift. And I want to walk through. There were several of them we hit on the way. I want to just show you these because they're really amazing. And it's more than just, and then you go to heaven when you die. The life, the gift that Jesus offers is amazing. Jesus gives us peace in the face of death. I don't ever remember a time in my life when our whole collective world and society has been surrounded by and concerned with death. Right? You can any moment look up the stats. How many people have died from, from COVID? Right? We're surrounded by it. It's a constant. And the whole point of all these measures is to reduce death. All right? We're surrounded. We're facing death. And, and that's just COVID. Right? There's death being faced constantly. We have a, a whole host of illnesses, diseases that are, that are terminal. We have all kinds of places in the world where violence, even here, violence is taking place. And Jesus says, here's some peace. Death isn't the end. Death isn't the end of your existence. I am alive, and he's the first fruits of those who are alive. So we can walk through anything in this life with Jesus is in you. You can have peace. Because the thing that our world is fearing death isn't to be feared. Jesus comes back from the grave. We are alive. Jesus gives us peace in the face of death. I'm not saying being risky. I'm not saying don't wear your seatbelt, don't wear a mask, and lick the back of every pew. I'm not saying be stupid. I'm just saying we don't have to live in a sense of terror. We don't have to live worried and petrified 
Because we say, even if, even if we die, we have life in Jesus. We have this overwhelming sense of peace. But also an overwhelming sense of peace when you look at where I've messed up, where I've failed. Jesus says, I've, I've actually already died for that and paid for that, and it is finished. So there's peace here. Jesus gives us joy in the resurrection. This has been a year where there's a lot of sorrow, a lot of depression, a lot of sadness. And when you look at the resurrection of Jesus, we can rejoice. We can have great joy. It doesn't mean we don't acknowledge the pain we're in or seeing or experiencing, but there's this great joy in the resurrection of Jesus. He's not dead. We're not worshiping an old story. We're not worshiping a legend. We're worshiping a resurrected Christ. And so we can rejoice. And you can rejoice that your sins are forgiven and that he has a place for you. You go, I can rejoice in that. So he gives us joy. Jesus gives us new life in his spirit. New life in his spirit, and it comes into you. We live with this constant sense of death and a constant sense of shame and failure. And the voice of the enemy says, God would never want you, and you're too terrible, and you've done too much. And the voice of the spirit says, no, no, that one is mine. I have claimed them. They are mine. I have filled them. My life is in them. I will guide you. I pray. He says his spirit prays on our behalf with groans too deep for words. He's able to, and he communicates constantly that you are his. And so there's this new life that starts right inside of you. You're still the old you on the outside. You still look the same. Your body still age the same. But there's this new life on the inside. And then Jesus gives purpose in his mission. This is one of my favorites. It's not just that you believe in Jesus and then it comes in really handy someday far from now when you die. Your life has eternal meaning to impact another life for eternity. That we serve Jesus in his mission to take this message of forgiveness to the world. Right now our world doesn't have a lot of purpose because our world lives under the idea that you're an accident You're a random collection of cells that just happen to exist on this time. So use the resources you have for your 70, 80, 90 years. When it's over, it's over. So the point is to get some stuff, get a good retirement, play some golf, and die in a sunny place. And Jesus says, hey, I got a better plan. You can live your life to impact people that you may never meet around the world and right here to tell them the good news of Jesus, which changes them and their family, and you spend eternity with them, and I think it is sunny there, right? (laughs) Jesus says he is the sun, right? You read in Revelation, you don't even need the sun because Jesus is the sun. The light is so bright. And so we have this mission. Your life counts for eternity. It's not get some stuff and die. It's share the gospel of Jesus in every way you can. And then finally, Jesus gives eternal life in his name. Death for a follower of Jesus is a doorway. It's a path you go through. It's not a permanent thing. You To die on this earth is to wake up in the presence of Jesus. He gives you eternal life. And that salvation is offered in him. So Jesus loves us with the greatest love, and he offers us the greatest gift. And that's just what it is. It is a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do a bunch of religious stuff. We receive it by saying, yes, Jesus, I trust you and I believe in you. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved. An undeserved gift. That's what grace is. By grace you have been saved 
through faith. Faith is when you trust. You say, I'm going to trust that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's alive even if I haven't seen it, and that he's already paid for my sins and he's at the right hand of the Father. This is not your own doing. You don't earn it. It is the gift of God. He wants to give it to you. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. We all come equal to Jesus. We all need forgiveness. We all need his help. It's not, well, I was better than you. There's no place for that. We all need Jesus. And then this great verse, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He has good things he wants you to do in this world, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Jesus loves us with the greatest love to die for our sins, and he offers the greatest gift of new life and peace and joy and eternity and mission and purpose. And I believe Jesus is already moving and already stirring in some hearts to have some response today. There's a lot of ways we can respond. We can respond just in rejoicing. We're going to sing some great songs together. Um, And the whole life of following Jesus is a life of just taking steps. There's some cards that you were, if you didn't pick one up when you sat down, you're now sitting on it, so you've warmed it up. And if you're at home, there's the same opportunity to respond on our website, northwest-church.com. So if you're at home, I want you to just think about, what is God saying to me in all of this? If you go to our website and scroll down to the bottom, there's a, on the homepage, there's a big button that just says respond, and it has the same options. Maybe some of your response on that card says, I would like a Bible. I want to read this for myself. I want to do some exploring. Or maybe I know Jesus, but I haven't grown and I want to start. So if you want a Bible, put your name, email on there or click it online. There's boxes on the exits. Just fold it up, tuck it in there. You can say, I'd like a Bible. Maybe at home you say, I want to be baptized. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Maybe you're here and you want to be baptized. Maybe you just want someone to contact me. I have questions. I, I, don't, I want to be prayed for. I, I just, I'm lonely. I need someone to talk to me. You can put that on the card. Maybe you're also going to say that today I accepted Jesus. You're sitting here and you go, you know what? I, I need to trust this Jesus. I need to believe. I need to put him as Lord in my life. And we want to know about that so we can walk with you. So you can put that on there. Today I accepted Jesus. Or today I recommitted my life to Jesus. Maybe you've known him and you've wandered. And you've kind of been out there and you go, you know what? I want to live for him. And I want to declare that today so you can respond in that way. Let me talk just a little bit more about the baptism one. And the first, uh, the first message that Peter, Jesus' apostle, preached after Jesus was raised from the dead, he, uh, he preached about that Jesus is alive. See, this is in Acts 2.36. He said, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He said, Jesus is alive and he's the Lord and Christ. And the crowd says, When they heard this, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So the response, the first response, if you're cut to the heart, sometimes when the message of Jesus is preached and you go, oh man, I don't know Jesus, and I'm in my sin, and what do I do? And Peter said to repent. It means to change your mind. 
You thought you were in control. You thought life was about you. You thought that it was, there was nothing. You thought Jesus was nothing. And now you realize he really did die for me and he really rose. That's a repentance. I'm changing my mind. And I'm a believe. And the way we publicly announce our belief is we get baptized. And so you, you, you come up and you say, I want to follow Jesus. He's my Savior and you're baptized. And so we dip you down into the water symbolizing you're uniting with the death of Jesus and we raise you up, symbolizing you're united with the new life of Jesus. And the water also symbolizes your cleansing. It's not the baptism that saves you, it's the faith. The baptism is the public act. And so that's a response you could make today, is to be baptized. In front of you, there's some cards that look like this. They're tucked into the hymn books. And if, if God's tapping on your heart, saying, I'm cut to the heart. I want to believe in Jesus. I need to respond in baptism. Or maybe you've believed for a long time and you just go, I've never been baptized and it's time for me to do that. You can do it today. And um, so you can read that card and it goes through the exact things you're believing. It says, I have repented. I've changed my mind and am turning to Jesus. I trust that Jesus Christ has died for my sins and has risen again. I submit my life to him knowing that he is the Lord of all. And then you'd say, I want to be baptized today. I am ready to publicly declare to all that I have placed my trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I'm submitting my life to him. So it's a public declaration. And then you say, I will devote my life to Jesus wherever he leads, no matter the cost. If that is you today, there's a chance for you to do it right now. The water is back here in this hallway. We've got a whole shelf full of gym shorts and old high school camp t-shirts. That are all clean. Uh, no high schooler wore them. But um, you can just come meet me over here. We have some folks ready to talk to you about this card. And you say, yep, this is what I want to do. We're not trying to talk anybody into anything. This is you responding. And you can come. we got a bathroom back here. You'll change. And we'll meet right here in this water and baptize some people. I'm seeing a few in this room who did this a couple Easter's ago. I see one for sure back here. Right? That said I, on an Easter a few years ago. So, yep, it's time for me. So let me pray. And if I'm going to be right here during these next few songs, and some of our leaders will be right here. If you want to get up and get baptized today, take this card with you, and we'll meet you right over here and go, and go back and get ready. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are alive. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you offer us so many gifts of eternal life and joy and peace and hope and purpose. Lord, I just pray for any who are cut to the heart, that they would make the response today. Lord Jesus, we do declare your name is powerful, powerful above every name. The grave could not hold you because you are perfectly righteous and without sin. And so you've defeated the power of sin and death, and you are raised on high, and we worship you as our living Savior. So we thank you for today. Thank you that we can celebrate. Thank you that we have hope and peace in your name. Would you do a move among us right now, in this room, wherever you're watching? Would you move in our hearts? Would you move us closer to you? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome. Happy Easter. He is risen. Amen. I'm Pastor Ryan. If I've not met you before, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us at home. And... Uh, Boy, it's, it's funny to think about what a year this has been. A year ago, Easter, we were not in this room together, and we had video-only church, 
And uh, we, we did make a cool video, I must say, but it was still, there was just something missing about being with other people, singing together the name of Jesus. And so it's been a long year, and it's been a year of sacrifice. We've had to sacrifice a lot. Some of it's just we sacrifice things we like, right? We like to go out to eat. We like to go to a, a ball game live. We like to go to the movies. We like to go to concerts, but we, we can live without that. So some of it's we've sacrificed our likes our pastimes, our enjoyments. Some of us have sacrificed vacations. You had trips booked that were canceled and the headache and figuring it out and so those kind of things. We also sacrificed uh, a lot of connection. I visited my grandma outside of a nursing home window in the flower bed while she was on the phone. Anybody do that? Anybody do that kind of? And it's just, it's not the same. And at certain age, technology and phones become very difficult to manage. So as good as we could, we, that's how we talk to her, right? And so we've sacrificed some of our connection and some of our closeness. Some of you have sacrificed a lot. You've sacrificed careers, jobs, businesses. And so it's been a year of just sacrifice. And what's hard is that it wasn't necessarily a choice, to sacrifice. It was something that we had to do, that we had to respond to. It doesn't mean that people didn't choose to participate, so I'm not saying that, but it was something that was brought to us, that, that we had to respond to. But the Easter story is a story of great sacrifice, but it was a willing sacrifice. That was the difference. It was a choice to sacrifice on the part of Jesus. It wasn't mandated. It wasn't insisted upon. He willingly laid down his life. And, and what he sacrificed is amazing. We're, we're sacrificing wearing masks and things like this. Jesus didn't come and wear a mask to prevent a disease. He came and brought all disease, sin upon himself. So his sacrifice wasn't to prevent. It wasn't to push away. It was actually to absorb and to take our sin and our death upon himself. And he did it willingly. And so the Easter, we can identify with sacrifice, but Jesus goes far more. He, he willingly sacrificed himself for our sin, for our life. And what was it all about? What, what was the motivator? He tells us in John 15, 13, Jesus was talking to his close disciples uh, right before he's going to go to the cross. And he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. The grace is the greatest love I can do for you is to lay down my life for you, to die for you. So he said that to his close disciples. This was because it's the greatest love. It's the biggest love. The word greater, it's the mega. It's a thing off the charts. It's a love you can't even measure. So there's no greater love than to die for your friends. But then it even goes beyond that. It goes beyond just the friends. And in Romans 5, 6, it said, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the greatest love and sacrifice that we celebrate on Easter with Jesus wasn't that he looked at humanity and thought they're figuring it out, they're kind of coming along, they're making progress, they're doing better, it's getting better, and maybe I'll help them out, I'll, I'll take them over that final 10 yards. No, is that humanity is still in the midst of rebellion, 
and selfishness and pride and sinners and not paying attention to God. And he said, I'll still die for you. I will still take that death upon myself. I will still redeem you. And so the Easter story of sacrifice is a sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice out of the depth of love. Right? I, I was thinking that the, the mask is the symbol of our sacrifice right now. We have to wear them. We're doing that. But the cross was Jesus' symbol. He was bloodied. He was beaten. He hung on that cross. And it wasn't just the physical pain. It was also absorbing the wrath of God for sin. That is the greatest love. That is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, willingly doing it. And so that's where we're here. But we're not celebrating the death of Jesus so much. That's the story that launches Easter weekend. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So I want to look at the resurrection accounts that he willingly died for us. But that's not really that special because everybody dies. What's amazing is that he was alive three days later, as Pastor Mark read. They came to the tomb. He wasn't in there. You're going to see him. He's alive. So I want to look at one of the accounts of Jesus appearing to his disciples in John chapter 20. So if you want to turn, turn in a Bible there, there's some in the seats. If you brought your own, we even accept digital Bibles. So long as you turn off all alerts, I don't want to know that you've moved up three places in the brunch line. You get to that when you get to that. So uh, turn off your alerts, turn on the Bible. John chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 18. And so what Pastor Mark read was that the, the women were, went there to the tomb and they found it empty. And uh, then the disciples ran there and they checked it out and they found it empty. And they're kind of trying to put this together. Like, well, where is he? What happened? And Jesus had appeared first to Mary, one of the women who followed him and loved him. And he appeared to her. And, and uh, so we're not going to read that story. We're going to start just after that. But he said, go and tell the disciples that I'm alive. And she saw him, was hugging his feet. And he said, go tell them you've seen me. So we see that in John 20, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, so she tracks them down, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So verse 19, it says, on the evening of that day, so we're we're Sunday evening, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So they locked themselves in a room, they're afraid, they they killed their leader on Friday, and they're thinking, well, maybe they're going to kill his followers on Sunday or Monday. So they're locked in a room. We know all about that, being locked in, shut in. So they're locked in. They're shut in for fear that the same people who killed Jesus will start taking them out. And then it said, Jesus came in and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Wow. He's in the room. He's alive. And he says, peace. It means to have a removal of fear. A removal of worry, a removal of anxiety, peace. Think of all the thoughts that were racing, 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 racing. What if they come? And what, how do we make sense of what Mary said? And why was the tomb empty? But we didn't see him. How come she saw him? We didn't see him. And so there's this sense of like, what is going on? And now we're locked in. And can we leave the city? What if they get us on the way out? And Jesus just says, hey, I'm here. Peace. Be calm. Verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So he was not a ghost. He was not a spirit. They were not having a collective hallucination. Uh, He's like, it's me. This is flesh. Look, this is where that spike went in. Look, this is where they stabbed a Roman spear into my side. So he showed them. It's a physical, resurrected body. 
And it says, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Glad's kind of an unfortunate English word. Glad is kind of like, hey, I'm glad you're here. The chip bowl is over there. You know, you find some water. There's the couch, right? It's kind of like, yeah, glad. I'm glad I got two for one on my cheeseburger. I'm glad to save, you know, six bucks. It's kind of a soft word. It's the same word, really, that's to rejoice. Did anybody rejoice when the shot went in from Gonzaga with two seconds left? Right? Like, whoa, it went in. Oh, my goodness. I know my mom did, but, right? There's a rejoicing. They won. Touchdown. So when they figured out it was him, when they figured out that he's really alive and they're not just seeing a hallucination, they rejoiced. So, so glad is the right word. It's just a little soft in English. They're joyful. He's alive. All of our fears are, are, are over. He's not dead. It's not ruined. So it says, then Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Don't we need peace? Our minds race and all the thoughts and all the things, and they're just trying to process this. He says, peace, be calm, it's okay. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. One of the interesting things about following Jesus in the life of Jesus, it's not just a religion you do or a belief you hold. It's actually a mission that you are sent on. So the moment Jesus is alive and tells him, I'm alive, peace, I'm right here, this is real. He says, but I I have a mission for you. I want you to go and impact the world. I want the announcement of this resurrection to be told. So it's not just something we believe, though it certainly is. There's also a great purpose. You are sent. He said, as the Father sent me, God the Father sent his son Jesus, as he sent me in the flesh to go to you, to live among you, to teach you, and then to die for you, I'm sending you to go to other people to explain to them the good news of Jesus and forgiveness. So right at the moment of his resurrection, he's also sowing in, there's mission, there's purpose. This needs to get to all the nations. So he sows that right in there. There's a mission. Verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is a beautiful picture. There's all kinds of amazing things happening in this scene. But this is, this is an echo of what happens in the beginning of our Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God's creating the world. And we see him, he creates the elements and the atmospheres and the, the stars and planets. And then he works his way down and creates seas and land. And he fills them up with plant life. And he fills them up with fish and birds and animals. And then he gets to humans. And it says God actually got his hands dirty on that one. He formed them out of the dust of the ground. And so there's this, this lump of dirt clay shaped like a man. But it's not alive until the spirit of God breathes into it the breath of life. And it says Adam became a living being. And so here at the resurrection of Jesus, this is a echoing of now there's a new kind of breath of life being breathed into humanity. Not the breath of life that will die because of sin, but he says breathe on them a Holy Spirit. That there's a new breath that comes into you. There's a new spirit that comes into you in Jesus that has eternal life, that makes you live, that is holy. And so there's, you have the first breathing of life to make us humans. And then when Jesus is raised, we have the breathing of life that we're eternal beings. So it's this beautiful picture these things are happening. I have you, I'm sending you on mission. I'm putting my Holy Spirit in you. I'm breathing eternal life right into you. And then verse 23, he said, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold, if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. 
And that part did catch me a little bit. Like, what are they, are they walking around? Are they pronouncing forgiveness or not? What is that, what's that getting at? And I think we take them as a unit right there. We have Jesus saying, I'm sending you on mission. I'm filling you with the Holy Spirit. And the mission has everything to do with forgiveness of sins. So I don't think we separate that block of, of activity. But what is he getting at is the mission of Jesus is, is a mission of forgiveness of sins. It is that critical. So I want to show you that from John chapter 3. And it's one of the most famous verse, verses in the Bible. But then right after it, it gets at the whole issue of forgiveness. So if you've, if you've got a Bible open, you just go a couple pages to the left. And, um, or a couple swipes. 3... 16, and we're going to see that this mission of Jesus has everything to do with forgiveness of sins. So in John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world, that's what we've been talking about, He's loved us and sent His Son, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's what we're celebrating, eternal life in Jesus, it's a gift. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. So the mission of Jesus was not to pronounce condemnation, to pronounce your sin and judgment. It was actually to absorb it, to take it for you, to save you from it. So that was his mission, but verse 18 gets to the critical nature of that. Verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So you see how the, we don't start at neutral. You don't start at neutral and go, I might do some bad in my life and get on the bad side. I might do some good and get on the good side. We actually start condemned, born into sin, born as rebels, and we can move out of it through faith in Jesus and have our sins forgiven. Or you stay in it, and you do not. You remain condemned. Your condemnation can pass to Jesus on the cross and be paid, or it can remain with you, and you pay it. And so it's a gift, but that's why I think this, that, that sending of Jesus, I'm sending you with the mission of forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit, and as you go out and announce Jesus, what's at stake is forgiveness of sin. When you come to Jesus, your forgiveness, your condemnation passes to him, and life passes to you. So that's what's at stake here. That's what's going on. That's what their mission is about. So let's come back to verse 24, back to John. I didn't tell you to keep your finger in it. I probably should have. John chapter 20, verse 24. Come back into the right a little bit. Let's follow the account through. So Jesus is there. He's alive. He's given a mission. He's given him the Holy Spirit. He's told him the stakes. And then somehow one of them wasn't there. Now, verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, he was not with them. It's like, where did you have to be? You missed it. Like, where, where were you? Like, I had, my, I had to go. My mom's lawn needed mowing. I just had to take care of some. You missed it, right? Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. Where were you, Thomas? We told you. Stay here. So he wasn't there. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I don't, I don't want to jump on against Thomas, because I think that would, I could think that, like, wouldn't it be really nice? Like, they keep telling you, and you're like, no, I actually saw him get nailed to a tree, and I saw him get speared, and they 
took him off the cross and buried him. And so don't, don't be telling me you saw him alive. I'm not, you, you would almost feel like they're messing with you, right? Don't, so I, I can appreciate that. I want to see it. I want to see it. So verse 26, eight days later, Jesus makes him wait. <laughs> eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with him. They're probably like, you better get here. Last time we were in this room, he showed up, so you get in here. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. How about that? Locked doors don't matter. He's a living, resurrected Christ. We can go right through the wall, no problem. He said, peace be with you. Same message, peace, it's okay. And then he said to Thomas, he knows his thoughts. He knows what he's worried about. He knows his, his doubts. He said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I think he was gracious to him. He didn't say, fine, get out. You didn't believe me the first time. He's like, oh, but I want you to see this. This is real. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's the opportunity we have. We don't see. We're not there. This is a 2,000-year event, 2,000-year-ago event. So we didn't see. We don't get that opportunity to touch, to feel, to see. We believe on the testimony of these eyewitnesses, their account written and recorded for us. We believe when the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you as alive. But we have a blessing. If you're now, if you believe in Jesus now, you have this blessing. You've not seen him and you believe in who he is. Or you can have that blessing today. You can say, I believe in you, even though I've not seen you with my eyes. That actually is faith. Believing the things you can't see. So verse 30, John tells us why he wrote all this down. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. He did lots of things. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. It means the anointed one, the Messiah, the one of God. That's what it means. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That our faith in Jesus gives us life, a life that never ends. So the whole thing we see on Easter is that Jesus, he loves us with the greatest love. Because he went to the cross for you in your place. He took death that you can't take. He did it for you. And then he offers you the greatest gift. I want to look at some of those gifts because it's, 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 it is eternal life and it is forgiveness, but it's actually a lot more. The gift that he offered us in this short little account of his resurrection. I just want to show you all that Jesus offers us. First, he offers us peace in the face of death. At least in my lifetime, I've never been around the, uh, a death so much. In any moment, you can look up death statistics right now. Our world has faced death, is worried about death. It's a topic of death. Every is death, and we get death, and vaccinated, and death, and vaccinated. And so I'm not saying that's not serious. But when you have Jesus, you don't panic about those things. It's not overwhelming. You don't have to hide. You don't live in fear because he's raised. And when you're in Jesus, you're raised with him. So there's not this sense of, oh, no, what happens if I die? I only have a few more years left. You have eternity left. So you live with a sense of peace. The worst that could have happened, Jesus died. He overcame. And when you're in in Christ, the worst that could happen, death, is just a doorway to life with him. Jesus gives joy in his resurrection. There's been a lot of just sorrow 
and sadness and depression and despair and just life is really messed up and difficult. But when you look at the resurrection of Jesus, you can still be filled with joy. Joy, that just inner sense of gladness and happiness, not in circumstances. He might be in a mess, but because he's raised, because he's defeated what you can't defeat. You can have joy because he took your sin and guilt, and you don't have to face it. It's with Jesus. So he gives you, you can live with joy. Jesus gives us new life in his spirit. When you come to Christ, it's not just that someday he, it comes in real handy when you die. He comes to you right now. He tells us when you're in Christ, you're a new creature from the inside out. His spirit comes to live in you, comes to direct you. He's constantly telling you, you are mine. Many times our own heart and mind will condemn us. Look, you failed. You blew it again. God wouldn't want you. And his spirit says, no, you're mine. No, you're mine. He prays on your behalf. He calls out to God. He reaffirms that you are his child. So there's this new life within you when you come to Jesus. He gives you new life in his spirit. Jesus gives you purpose in his mission. Purpose. That's something that our culture is beginning to hunger more and more for. Is your purpose to accumulate some stuff, save up some money, die somewhere sunny? Or is your purpose to carry the message of resurrection to G- that Jesus is alive and that you can have life in him and that your life can impact another life for eternity and it's sunny there? Read Revelation. says they don't even need the sun or moon because Jesus gives the light. It's sunny there. It's, your life can eternally impact people. The story of our culture right now is you are a random accident, a collection of cells that happen to be a human, and you have no meaning or value other than what you make. But the story of Jesus is that you are wanted, and you are on purpose, and he's known you from the foundation of the world, and he has a mission for you to do to impact other humans who will also live for eternity that you are more valued and loved than you can ever know. That is the message of Jesus with purpose in his mission. And then, of course, the one we've longed for, Jesus does give eternal life in his name. You do go to be with him when you die. That Jesus offers you what you can't do on your own. We're going to face death, and in Christ, there's eternal life with him. So that's why we can say Jesus, he loves us with the greatest love because he gave everything for you. And he offers you the greatest gift, peace, hope, forgiveness, mission, purpose, joy. It is a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is an undeserved gift, and it's received through faith, through trusting Jesus. And this is not your own doing. That's a real relief. You don't have to get religion going. You don't have to get things right. You don't have to figure anything out. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of work, so no one can boast. No one can say they ran there faster, did things harder. No one can say, well, Jesus was lucky to have me on the team. No, we all come to him needing desperately his forgiveness and grace. And then again, this purpose, for we are his workmanship. He's made you specifically, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. He actually has a plan for your life to do great things that we should walk in them. We should live in them. And so Jesus loves us with the greatest love and offers us the greatest gift. And so there's just a moment here to respond.
Sometimes we end with information in our head, but actually the life of Jesus is a life of following him, of living for him, of taking next steps in him. And so there's several ways you can respond to this message today. There's some cards in here in the room. If, if you didn't pick it up, then you're sitting on it right now. So uh, pull the, one of those out. Or if you're at home, you, uh, at home, you can open up a website, northwest-church.com. And if you just scroll on our homepage, there's a big giant button that says, respond. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to believe about this? It says, respond. And so some of your response as a follower of Jesus, you're going to celebrate and you're going to live for him and you want to go deeper and further. There's some other responses you can make. You might say, I want to look more for myself. You'd like a Bible? We'd be happy to give you a Bible. You can check that. Check that at home. Maybe you'd like to be baptized. If you're at home and going, I want to respond in baptism, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Maybe you want someone to contact you. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you need a phone call. Maybe you want someone to pray over you. You can check that and check that at home, and it will email us. We'll get a hold of you. Or maybe you want to just declare something, that today, in this moment, you accepted Jesus. You said, I'm going to put my faith in him. I'm going to believe and put my trust. He's my Lord, my God, without seeing him like Thomas. Or you might say that you recommitted your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been wandering, been out there, been away, maybe for years. And you know, you know what? I'm coming back. Today's the day I'm coming back. I'm going to start walking with him today. Those are some responses you can make. Fill that out. There's some boxes as you exit. Just fold it in half, tuck it in there, or click it at home and it will email us. And we just want to walk with you. No one walks the spiritual life alone. We need people in our life. So fill that out so we can walk with you. And the other response I talked about was baptism. That was the response from the beginning when the church was born right to today, to respond in baptism. You see this in Acts chapter 2, when when Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, preached the first sermon about what's going on. Jesus is alive, we've seen him. He preaches it, and the response is baptism. This is Acts 2.36. It says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. The idea of repent is to change your thinking. You thought Jesus was not God, now you think he is God. You thought it was some other plan, now it's Jesus. You thought it was about you, now it's Jesus. That's a switching. So you repent and be baptized as a public declaration. It says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom their Lord our God is calling to himself. And so we're believing in this moment God is still calling people to himself. If you've been cut to the heart, if something in you is saying, yes, I need to say yes to Jesus, I need to repent, I need to put my faith in him, and I want to publicly declare it in baptism. In baptism, we've got the water is filled right behind me there, and you're uniting with the death of Jesus. When we lay you in the water and we pull you up, you're uniting with the life of Jesus. It's also symbolic of being washed, being cleaned. And it's also a naming. You're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit, that his name is on you. So we had one young man in the first service, Aaron is his name, part of our high school group. He got up and was baptized this morning. Praise the Lord. And that chance is for you. During these next few songs, myself, some elders, and and my wife Heather are going to be over here. If you want to come get baptized today, we'll go right down this hall. We've got a big shelf of high school camp t-shirts. 
They're still new. They have not been worn by any high school student, just so you know. They're still brand new. And some gym shorts. And you can change. And you can declare today that you're a follower of Jesus, that you want to announce that and be baptized. And so that's a response you can make today. These cards, by the way, are in front of you. They're in a hymn book right in front of you. And on the back is a declaration of what you're saying. So if you want to be baptized, pull out that card. It says, I have repented. I've changed my mind and I'm turning to Jesus. I trust that Jesus Christ has died for my sins and has risen again. I submit my life to him knowing that he is the Lord of all. I want to be baptized today. I'm ready to publicly declare to all that I have placed my trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and submitting my life to him. And I will devote my life to Jesus wherever he leads, no matter the cost. If there's parents in here and your kids are wanting to be baptized and you think they're understanding, come with them and you can go right in the water with them. You can do it. So if that's something a parent and kid wants to do today. But let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're risen from the dead. We thank you for the peace, hope, joy, meaning, purpose, eternal life, Holy Spirit that you offer us. We thank you that you're alive today and people are believing, having not seen you, receiving that blessing. Lord, if you're stirring in any heart today, would you give them the courage to get up and respond in baptism? Or, or, or maybe they're responding in other ways. They're coming back to you. They're starting a journey of seeking you. They want to start reading your word and finding these things for themselves. Lord, would you do that? Would you give us courage to follow you? Would you give us hope and joy in the midst of this time? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.